Welcome to the Walkie Talkie Podcast. I'm Ryan. And I'm Matt. And we are going to talk you some walkies. So we apologize that we're behind. We were already behind. Um, But yeah, uh, I was busy. Matt got sick. Matt got better, but then he was busy. So we are talking about Season 8, Episode 7, Time for After. We're talking about Time for After before talking about the finale, even though we have seen the mid-season finale, mm-hmm. both of us. Yeah. It's pretty hard It's pretty hard not to let the knowledge of what comes next affect my perception of this episode, to be honest. Really? Yeah. I'm going to do my best. <laughs> I'm going to do my <laughs> my best not let to let it affect me at all. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, yeah, so time for after. Um, I'll I'll start. Okay. Um, I thought this was the best episode of this season mm-hmm. so far. Um, I watched it a second time to make sure, and I'm pretty sold that this is the best one. And I say that, of course, having seen the finale. So... Um, yeah, I I thought that it it set things up well for the finale. I felt like the Eugene conflict uh, was one of the best character moments in this season, and I felt like it was it was a believable um, dramatic situation in terms of Eugene's behavior, Dwight's behavior. Um, and yeah, but we can get into the, why I felt that more as we go along, mm-hmm. but, and I, I think, I think one of the reasons I appreciate it is that on an ethical level, I liked what the show seemed to be saying. Um, how's that? Well, we'll, we'll talk about it, but in terms okay. of the show sort of, um, expressing, um, kind of the the truth that we know about what's right and wrong. Mm-hmm. I thought this episode had one of the like because no, so often The Walking Dead totally botches deep conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that this episode, the conversation between Gabriel and Eugene, was one of the best kinds of conversations of that nature that the show has ever had. Okay, um, as somebody who has had a lot of those kinds of conversations with people. Mm-hmm. I was like, that actually was pretty good. Mm. And it didn't, it didn't, to me, it didn't feel like it did it in a, uh, Heavy in a way, way that sounded real contrived. Yeah. Um, like people wouldn't actually talk that way. So I know that in our last podcast, um, I had hinted to how I felt about this episode. Because I had just seen that episode the day that we did our podcast. Mm. Um, yeah, I'm not a fan of it. Um, maybe that will change as we talk about it. But 
I think I've just come to feel really um, annoyed with Eugene on all fronts. Just whenever mm-hmm. he's on screen, I uh, I shut off or I, I don't care, and and I I look at my phone a lot. Hmm. And like you, that's sort of an indicator of how I how I feel about the show. Um. And I usually don't look at my phone while I watch The Walking Dead. And there's plenty of shows where I do look at my phone while I'm watching mm-hmm. a show. This episode and the last episode um, made me realize that there are better shows on television that I didn't previously consider were better shows. Mm-hmm. Like shows that I thought, eh, they're all right, you know, whatever are better than how I feel about The Walking Dead right now. Mm. Um, yeah, there... Sure, there were some... I, I'm, I'm very hesitant to say, but I, I think there were some redeeming elements to this episode. But even then, I feel like that's being a little generous. Um, I, th- I think you could dig deep. And you can give the writers more credit than they deserve. Like with the conversation with Gabriel, like the themes that they're kind of playing around with, I think in a better show would resonate more. And I think they would be a little bit more, um, they would be lifted by the performance of the actors and the writers would have just kind of like filled in the gap or the writers would have put it out there. The writers, or the actors would have filled in the gap um, in, on a better show. But on this show, because the writing is often so poor, um, the writing for very potentially effective moments, like moments in this episode, just don't land for me. Hmm. Um, I feel as though there might be one person in the writer's room that has a great idea and concept and they want to execute it and the other writers taint that (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and um, so so when you say that there are some great themes and great conversations and stuff, I can't disagree with you. However, I think that um, I think you're 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 seeing something that is, uh, I don't want to say is isn't there, but I don't think is intentionally there by the writers. Hmm. Does that make sense? I guess. We'll have to fight it out. Yeah. Because, yeah, I would go so far as to say, like, if this episode isn't a good episode, I don't think Walking Dead will ever be able to be good for you again. Because Hmm. I don't think so. I don't think that's true. Because this had, like, good character moments. It had some good action. It had, like... And it's sad because, because I know what comes next... Now some of my appreciation for this episode is hurt because I felt like it set things up really well for a good Mm -hmm. finale. Mm -hmm. And I feel like they botched it Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. Um, But yeah, I, I felt like when this episode ended, I was like, was that just good because I've been used to not really good episodes? (laughs) (laughs) But then I watched it again, and I was like, 
No, this this was like this was surprisingly good. I felt like, mm-hmm. um, and uh, but anyway, so it starts off with the the cold open of at the garbage pail kids place. Rick's in the crate. They have a little exchange where Jadis is taking pictures of him, and she says she's going to sculpt him after, and he's like, after what? And she just says, after. That's it. This goes to show how little thought the writers for this show, or the people in charge of the show, put into each episode and the 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 environment that they're in, the um, the props that they'll use, all those kinds of things. Like, I've been screaming for weeks now with the ammo situation. Remember that that episode where Negan took Eugene back to the Saviors? The only reason why Eugene is over there is because he can make bullets. Mm -hmm. That's it. Right. That was the reason. And sure, when Eugene got there, uh, Negan had mentioned he he would like... Eugene to do other things. He saw more potential in in Eugene, but the big reason why Eugene is there is to make bullets because there's an ammunition deficiency Mm. everywhere. Mm. And the reason why Eugene can make bullets is because Rick had an ammunition deficiency and they needed bullets. Mm. So Eugene put it, uh, put that, you know, um, uh, uh, that skill to to work and and he was able to figure out how to make bullets and he made a recipe and he gave it to Rick even before everyone got lined up at the um, at the execution he gave Rick that that ingredient or that recipe. Um, so we know that Eugene's only purpose, <laughs> whether it be for Rick or whether it be for Negan, is to make bullets, mm-hmm. and he hasn't done that once. Well, that not only n- well. <laughs> In this episode, Negan also uh, – he seems surprised that that Eugene can make bullets when he mentions that he can. He's like, can you make bullets? He's like, if you could put me where my machine is and put my machine is where I am, I can. <laughs> That's – basically, he's saying, yeah, I can make bullets and I haven't done it yet. And the thing yeah. is, is they had to have had a deficiency this whole time, but they've been using bullets – Right, on both yeah. sides, it hasn't been an issue. So the writers had, had laid this seed saying that they need bullets. And if they don't make bullets, there's going to be a problem, whether it be on one side or the other. Someone's going to run out and then that's going to be kind of the, the um, you know, the crisis moment. Mm-hmm. But no one's made them. So w- are we just supposed to believe that everyone's kind of scrounging around for bullets or like – Rick's just shooting a, an assault rifle with one hand like it's nothing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like people are just wasting bullets for no reason. I would think in that kind of situation they'd be they'd be a little bit more uh, um, concerned about that. Okay, so my point is <laughs> all that – all of that You were talking about say, the garbage pail kid. Yeah, yeah. All that to say – and this is this has not as much weight as the bullet situation, but, <laughs> <laughs> but Janus takes a photo of Rick with this camera that's a vintage brownie camera. These things are very classic and very hard to use. Not only are they hard to use, it's hard to come by the parts. The bulb that explodes, you got to find the right ones. And you could only use them once. <laughs> and, 
and to to develop the photos let alone developing a 35 millimeter photo off of a roll is extremely difficult with the right kind of chemicals and the right kind of setting in the right kind of room doing it with one of these vintage like 1800s cameras is there's no I'll just put it this way there's zero way that she'd ever be able to develop that photo and use it as a photo reference for her sculpture <laughs> <laughs> Well, so everything you're like, I don't know anything about cameras, so I didn't even think about that. I mean, I did think, what is that? A bit, a big Polaroid, you know? <laughs> but <laughs> well, my problem is, isn't that they did it? It's that they did it with such carelessness that they didn't even care. Just like the bullet situation, they don't even <laughs> care to, that's to how like you're it around. think about it. Yeah. It's just like this. Ah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, okay. This, I, I think it's just a, a, mis- a mistake. I think it's just carelessness, but carelessness. Mm-hmm. let's, let's say that this all makes sense of the garbage pail kids. Jadis is like this weird, obsessive, <laughs> Um, like not to be offensive, but like autistic, highly autistic on the spectrum person uh-huh. who, um, is obsessed with like photography and that sort of thing. So she has, she has to use her particular <laughs> camera with her particular <laughs> film and everything. And it's because of where she is on the spectrum that she speaks the way she does. And then because she was such a powerful presence, she made everybody else talk the same way because they felt like they had to. Or they felt really bad. Right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And she has her own, uh, photo development room away from the garbage heap. And, and she was doing this before the fall of the apocalypse. Yes, and the camera and the sculpting and all of that is supposed to be clues about her obsessive nature. Okay. I'll I'll go with you even though I think that it's just poor writing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love how much of a reach that is. <laughs> right, yeah. Hey, we're 15 minutes in and we've just talked about the 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 cold open, which was a really short cold open. <laughs> Oh, all right. Mm -hmm. So we're we're in Eugene's room and he's writing and on the piece of paper, it's got three columns. It says what I know, what I know, I don't know. And things I am unaware of wholly, which did make me laugh out loud. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) It's absolutely impossible to know what you don't know. <laughs> Holy don't know. <laughs> okay, so if I'm supposed to make a list of things that I wholly don't know, do I just start like writing down random things that how would I know <laughs> what to write down? <laughs> well, I think it does actually work. I mean, not that we need to spend a lot of time tearing it apart, but like what I know is just, like, the facts that he can be sure of. What mm. I know, I don't know. So, like, I, I I come up with that a lot, like, when I'm dealing yeah. with difficult questions and stuff like yep. that. Like, okay, like, there's certain things that I know that I cannot know. And, like, yeah. you know, the mysteries. Then things I am unaware of wholly are, like, 
things that he thinks should be accessible and able to to figure out, but he just doesn't know anything about them. So I guess as Eugene is filling that out, he comes to, for whatever reason, decide that it's time to confront Dwight. Um, so Eugene confronts Dwight. He tells him that he is aware that he is the fifth columnar, whatever that means. But I, I mean, I know what it means, but I just don't know what it's a reference to. You're colluding with Ock, the acronym that he has come up for, Alexandria, Hilltop, and the Kingdom. And, um, yeah, he says, and I, I wrote down a lot of Gene's li- Eugene's lines because they entertain me, but mm-hmm. he said, I've been charged by Negan himself with cracking the calamity you more than likely had a hand in creating. I need you to cease and desist. In exchange, I'll keep what I know from Negan and the others. Now, Here's here's what I want to bring up about this, like the um, the ethics of Eugene, or or like the morality of Eugene, because yeah. I realize that it's tempting just to be like Eugene, you have completely failed, and he has, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, and it's sad because his character was making movements towards being more heroic, growing. You know, I can't remember what he did exactly at the end of the sixth season, right before all our people got lined up in front of Negan. The bullets. But, the bullets, but he also had something to do with driving the truck. Remember, he yeah, had that he, moment um, with Abraham. Yeah, he was he was letting them cross through the woods, and he was gonna divert with the with the SUV, knowing that he would get caught. Right, that was a heroic moment. Earlier, before then, he carried Tara, t- uh, Tara, Tara, Tara out of that <laughs> out of that place. Um, it Last was the week, same. I had a hard time with her name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, he he carried her out, uh, basically saved her life when she was knocked out, mm-hmm. and um, he uh, the 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 episode that he got taken away. He got taken away because he confessed to being the bullet maker mm-hmm. when Rosita was about to be hurt. The bullet so, maker band name. Yeah, so mm-hmm. Eugene was on his way. He seemed like he was growing, but um, Negan broke him. Mm-hmm. With seemingly no effort. Well, <laughs> see, that I disagree with. Um, really? Well, Negan was in a li- – I mean, Eugene was in a lineup while he watched Negan, like, pound Abraham and and Glenn's skulls into pulp. Like, mm-hmm. if you were in that – all of them should have profound PTSD from that. Oh, 100%. You know? Yeah. Um, and so he witnessed that. He mm-hmm. – he he witnessed um, the doctor getting thrown into the furnace. Mm-hmm. Um, he knows what happened to Dwight. I'm saying, with seemingly no effort on Negan's behalf, right? Just Negan being Negan. He didn't even need to break him. Like he didn't even need to put Eugene through the ringer in order to break him. Eugene just observed the heinous uh, actions of Eugene or of uh, Negan. Yep. And it uh, it did it. Right. And I, I think for plenty of people, that would be enough. You know, if you were in a lineup and know. you... If we were in a lineup and I watched a guy beat your skull in and I had like little bits of your brain on, my, on me, <laughs> I... And then that guy, I was like in his... In his compound or whatever and I knew what he was capable of. Like, I mean, of course I would hope that I would be heroic and that i wouldn't be manipulated but 
but when people have power, they do all kinds of terrible stuff. I mean, and they're able to manipulate other people into doing things that they don't want to do. I mean, that's what this whole Me Too campaign is partially about, you know, that like a lot of the time um, women are assaulted and then people are like, why'd you go along with it? Like, why'd you agree to it? And they always have to be like, well, I still didn't want to do it, but it was like yeah. there was this unequal power dynamic. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like that's, I mean. But I think in Eugene's case, he had plenty of opportunities to defect. And I think I think he could have still been playing a long game, but he unabashedly took on the name of Negan. I think there's a difference there. Just like there's a difference between um, between Rick being a killer and Negan being a killer and both being leaders, Negan relishes in it. Rick doesn't. Right. Um Eugene is owning it unabashedly, mm-hmm. whereas D- uh, Dwight is playing a long game. Mm-hmm. You know, well, yeah. Oh, Dwight is playing a long game. That's true. Yeah, that's true. But to be fair, it took a while before he he did that. You know, I don't yeah, know. But, if- I, but knowing that, like Eugene, knowing what he knows about the other side and how they can take on uh, the saviors. I think there would be a little bit more incentive and also knowing that there's a mole within the savior's compound and then also being on the other side, seeing that the Alexandrians are trying to take over again. Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of compelling reasons why Eugene could play a long game. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, I agree with you. Like, yeah, I I mean, I I think I wish Eugene had tried to poison Negan early on. You know, um, I think that maybe if he hadn't seen the, what happened to the doctor that time, he might have he might have done it. You know, um, but but the I, the the point I initially wanted to make was that as much as as Eugene is worthy of our disappointment, mm-hmm. it's not like I I still don't think he's completely gone because. What reason does Eugene have to go and make this proposal to Dwight? You know, if Eugene is just all Negan, Eugene can just go to Negan and be like, look, I know who it is. I am sure of it. Holy. It is Dwight. He is the, he's the guy. And what, what does he have to lose in that, right, if he's completely Negan? He's looking out for Dwight just because he doesn't want Dwight to die. Yeah. No, I, I don't disagree with you there. Right. I think it's uh, it's definitely in a gray situation. And but by, there is that and recording. By, <clears throat> by talking to Dwight, now he's he's he is putting himself in more danger than if he just went to Negan and talked to him because now Dwight has reason to hurt Eugene because he knows what he knows. And he has reason to try and like get ahead of Eugene and talk to Negan and throw Eugene uh-huh. under the bus. Um, so I guess what I'm saying is like, I know I don't have anywhere near the same level of hatred for Eugene as you do. I feel disappointed in him, but at the same time, I just feel I'm fascinated by his character because I feel like he is somebody who genuinely hates the idea of people being hurt. Um, and he's not willing to like stick his neck out real far if it means he's going to get hurt, 
in order to protect people, but it it still makes him squeamish, you know? And I think that's why he talks to Dwight rather than just go and tell tell Negan. He knows. But he recorded right? the conversation, right? Not that I know of. Was Did that he? Eugene or was that Dwight? There was a recorder. Yeah. In that scene? Uh-huh. Well, yeah, a little tape recorder. Yeah, I mean, if he did, um, how did I miss that? Even after watching it twice, if he did, you know, he's got everything he needs. But at this point, Negan still doesn't know. You know? Yeah, I'm still not convinced that that Eugene. I I get that he gets squeamished. Oh, sorry, squeamish when <laughs> he gets a little he gets... squeamished. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> he gets squeamish when it when it comes to people dying, and I don't think he ever really roots for anyone dying. And he doesn't like I, the idea of having blood on his hands, right? He really doesn't. But at the same time, Eugene will always throw someone under the bus for himself. Like if it's either him or someone else. He's going to try to save his own skin. Again, I'm not totally sure of that. The only reason why I'm saying that is because of this episode. The way that he's delivering his lines, the way that like his, his dialogue and everything, and his actions. But in the scene where he gets taken uh, um, from Alexandria with Negan, he proved that there was a shade of... Uh, um, of him being heroic in that moment, right? And in that in, in 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 that scene, he proved that he would throw himself under the bus for someone else. But I don't think that sticks. I think it comes and goes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think at the end of the day, um, it's either that or just the writers are confused about this character. <laughs> no, I think. There have been characters the writers have done a terrible job on, no doubt. But I don't mm-hmm. think Eugene is one of them. Like, And I know you're comparing him to the comics, which I don't really have that. So, But I, I think that Eugene's arc is believable. You know, he's cowardly. He uses his brain and his word games and everything to try and stay alive. He gets mm-hmm. in with a family, so to speak. And he mm-hmm. does have opportunities to grow in that family. He starts to grow. We start to see signs that he maybe he really could be somebody who's not just a coward. And and he grows some. But then it doesn't work out for him. He ends up in this horrible situation. And he regresses. That's all I'm believable there, to yeah. me, You know? Yeah. Um, so, anyway. Um, Dwight grabs him. And I really liked that moment when Dwight, like, pushed him down and just said to him, like, look, the saviors are done. This place is over, and all you have to do is nothing. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Wait, let it play out. Because I like Mm -hmm. that because it was like he knows Eugene's a coward, and he's trying to reassure him, all you have to do is nothing. Yeah. And at the, I was like, yeah, Eugene, all you have to Negan's do... Negan's as good as dead. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and I also liked when he was like, you've seen what happens here. You've heard the screams. You've smelled the burning skin. Mm-hmm. You don't have blood on your hands yet, but that's coming. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just thought that was strong, you know? Yeah. 
No, I agree. Um, and and Dwight and honestly, it, with with each passing episode, I like Dwight's character more. Yeah. Yeah, and it's funny because I always thought I can't I can't like Dwight. You know, mm-hmm. I because I I remember hearing that he becomes like part of Rick's group and. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just remember thinking he was so awful to me, you know, early on that I was like, they're not going to make – I don't want to like him. I'll never like him, mm-hmm. you know. But, mm-hmm. yeah, it's the same way he's um, – I'm coming around on him just because mm-hmm. he is – he is putting himself in in at risk, serious risk. He's being heroic. He's being heroic. Yeah. Um, and he is um, – he is also someone who is a, a profound victim of mm-hmm. Negan, you know, mm-hmm. and and but but I think it's important to recognize that that Negan, because of who he is, um, can victimize people into doing horrible things. Like Dwight yeah. did horrible things. Yeah, and I think that should give a little grace for Eugene too. Because of that. <laughs> okay. So and then Eugene says something like. What cranks my shaft means being safe. <laughs> <laughs> and me being safe means a lot of other people are safe. I think about that a great deal. Uh, yes, I'm Negan. I ain't perfect, but we are saviors. So he just like spouts the propaganda. And mm-hmm. uh, now he's not wrong that in that compound, there are a significant number of people who have their me- their needs met and everything, and they are, in a sense, safe um so there's there's a logic to what eugene says and that's part of his personality his character is that he rationalizes and Mm -hmm. because he's so smart he is fairly effective at it um which i think comes out later and and when he gets really ticked off um but he still can't fight against the truth that is even you know stronger than just logic or rationality like can i say eugene yes eugene is smart but he reminds does he not remind you of so many people like there's a certain category of human being that (laughs) (laughs) that settles in this eugene uh slot they're pseudo intelligent they know a little about everything it's like if you're in an argument with one of them and you know more about that thing than they do, rightly so no more, they're still going to try to make you feel dumb just with rhetoric and with a little bit that they know about it and they kind of like wordplay into it, you know, lean into that a little bit and they try to make you feel stupid. Eugene is one of those guys. Well, you know, you know, you know the kind of guys that I'm talking about. I know the kind of guys you're talking about. I see Eugene as somebody who plays video games and goes on like internet message boards uh-huh. and um, and reads Reddit threads about stupid like about arachnids and certain like plants that are poisonous in a certain area of the world just to know it. <laughs> well, <laughs> but but I don't see him as the sort of person who would assert well i don't know he because it's very selfish it's very it's it's a very selfishly um fueled motive to know these things in order to have an upper hand in conversation and debates 
and he always does. I don't know if he always has an upper hand in, in well, conversations and debates. And that's why but, he uses such crazy semantics. Well, but he's, he's, he is usually right on the show. Um, but the points that he typically makes aren't, like, <laughs> profound. Right. No, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> They're it's just, just like anyone could be right, you know? It's yeah. just the kind of person I think he is, which also sullies my <laughs> my view of him. <laughs> really don't like him. I don't yeah, I don't see him as a um I don't see him as the sort of person who like inserts himself in conversations and that sort Mm-mm. of thing. Um Not necessarily, no. Right. Mm. There is a certain kind of person yeah that just like comes up and they're like um, that's wrong. <laughs> well, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I don't think Eugene is that person. Sure. So, anyway. Uh, yeah. So, Eugene, you could say he hides behind or possibly he has a rational justification in saying that, you know, he does what he does or what he's doing because he's he's trying to keep every, as many people safe as possible. Mm-hmm. And uh, but then even after this, he says, "Your cloak and dagger is on the QT, <laughs> and all I ask is that you do nothing that results in harm to anyone inside these walls, and it will stay that way." Now, inside I, these walls, very specific. Well, he knows that you know that's if Dwight Dwight's plan works out, those are the people that are going to be injured but so. the people that will be saved will be the other team well i don't think eugene sees it that way i mean i think in well and as you'll see later eugene sees and i'm not saying he's right but he he of course sees rick and company as the aggressors here and you know he he probably feels like if they had just like played along then everything more people would be alive yeah. everything would just stay stable um but but yeah it, it is eugene's just interesting to me that he would say to dwight like look i'm not telling anybody just don't don't cause anybody to get hurt yeah so dr carson calls eugene in because he needs to go downstairs to get some medicine or something and Sure. He want he needs somebody to be with Gabriel, and uh, <laughs> he says, oh, "I wish we had meds." Because he says Gabriel has a nasty infection and it's like spreading to his organs. Uh-huh. And then Eugene says, "I wish he hadn't participated in the ill-conceived caper to trap us all, trap us all in here." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which insane, really. Yeah, I don't even know what he said next. I get this. I get the sense of it, but yeah, he's. I wish I hadn't participated in the ill-conceived caper to trap us in. I wish he hadn't participated in the ill-conceived caper to trap us in here. I also wish for razzles, but if wishes were horses and all that, like I don't. <laughs> I honestly never understand him. That's again, he's just. 
he uses this crazy verbiage in order to like to, to I don't know just ma- build the wall. It frustrates me. But do you know me. what that is? I I wish no. I also wish for razzles. I've t- I when I when he said that I pictured candy, right? Like old timey candy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but if wishes were horses and all and that. all that. <laughs> hang on let me look up what a razzle is (laughs) a razzle let's see the ill-conceived caper i just love that because they are candy they are candy okay yeah old old time candy right That's so funny. Well, that is the way it felt. Like it was some reference yeah. to an old timey kind of saying, you know. Yeah. And what it, what does it mean if wishes were horses? <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. But then the doctor says, "You think this is his fault?" And Eugene is like, "It is, not the whole of it, but, you know, in part." Wait, and, hey, I, I'm still stuck on this. <laughs> if, if, <laughs> I I wish for razzles, but if wishes were horses, but if wishes so, were horses and all that, so so does is he saying that like he would never have like he doesn't have any wishes or his wishes are irrational because having horses are irrational and wanting razzles are irrational. Definitely wanting wishing for razzles is an impossible thing to have. Yeah, That's, that must be it. But and if, what are the wishes? If the wishes are analogous to horses, what is that? I don't know. I <laughs> I really don't. I don't get it. But all I know is that sometimes Eugene st- says stuff, and I'm like, that was too cryptic. I. I wish it had been a little clearer than that. Yeah. Most of the time, I actually laugh out loud at what he said. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> this one, I didn't understand it, but I still thought it was really funny. Be- yeah. Because I felt like I had – well, I understand the sense of what he's saying is I, I it's, there's no point in wishing because I can't have what I want. Yeah. But how, how that exactly comes from that, I'm not sure. Yeah. So – but anyway – um, I, I I do admit I I laugh out loud a lot of the times, but some yeah. of them I just roll my eyes really heavy. <laughs> <laughs> so in this moment, like this whole scene, I actually really liked. Um, but the doctor says Gabriel shouldn't be alone, and he's your friend. And mm-hmm. Eugene is like traveling companion, right? And then he's like, "Okay, do you want him to die?" And Eugene says, "No." And he says it like a little kid. There's just yeah. something about it. Like, there was no frills. There was nothing after it or anything. Yeah. Just, no. Yeah. And it, which is genuinely true. I don't think Eugene doesn't well, do want Do I want horses to die and yeah. all that? <laughs> <laughs> I also wish for razzles. <laughs> so, Gabriel tells... Eugene to sit down. He's like, sit, you look worse than me. And again, Eugene has another great line. He's like, I don't appreciate that. I don't yeah. appreciate that because you look like a potato and shit casserole. Yeah. <laughs> I did laugh out loud to that one for sure. <laughs> um, 
Gabriel's reaching for water and he can't he can't get it, so Eugene helps pour it in his mouth, which I thought was a nice touch, like just trying to. But they did something... it in such a way. It's it's very <laughs> awkward, right? But it's also like this kind of weirdly intimate thing, you know. It felt like so they held on it for like so long with him just like trying to he's fidgeting to grab the cup and finally Eugene grabs it. Right. And then when he motions it, I was I was jarred because he, he kind of goes like this. He's like, <laughs> like right at his face really quickly and just kind of pours it in his mouth. Right. <laughs> yeah. And then Very Gabriel's rough. coughing and yeah. choking. Probably coughing on the water that he just poured in his throat because <laughs> he did it so rough. It's like, geez. Pour it a little easier next time. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Gabriel asks, are you going to help me get Dr. Carson out of here? And, uh, Eugene says, well, given that we're surrounded by walkers, I don't see an escape attempt without using the same flawed technique of innards, which landed you in your status quo piss poor condition. So, right, so he's implying that the, that the zombies will make you sick. I think, yeah. So they're really trying to drill that home. Right. That confirms it. That's them saying, yep, Gabriel was not bit. This is has something to do with getting infected by innards, which makes perfect sense from a logical perspective. Yeah. That, you know, coating yourself in guts could get you sick or having an infection. would be too. Well... It would be the sort of thing where it's like, well, you open yourself up to the possibility of getting it. It's not like a guarantee that you're going to sure, get it. Sure, but I feel like like the possi- like the chance that using the same walker guts for both people and only one person getting sick, I don't know. I feel like both of them would probably get sick. <laughs> well, I mean, it depends on a lot of things like – whether your immune system is compromised, um, mm-hmm. whether you've had that particular illness in the past, um, that particular strain, because <clears throat> yeah. once you, you know, once you get something, you don't get it again. I guess we're not talking about a virus, though. We're talking about bacteria. Well, you do get the same. You can't get the same virus because I usually get sinus infections, and that that's why I was sick. Hmm. Well, so. anyway, I'm not a doctor, so I don't know, but I do think. It's it's possible for two people to be exposed to the same stuff and only one to actually contract. Yeah. Um, but the, the, the troubling thing about this, as we've talked about before, is that is that this has never been an issue with putting guts on you right. before. Yeah. You know? yeah. And certainly if they end up doing the whisperer thing, as you brought up. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Yeah. They must be a hardy <clears throat> bunch. I think at this point, Scott Kimball is just like, nope, we're not doing anything from the comics. This is literally just based off of the comics. Like, just a soft a soft well, uh, um, adaptation. Um, I mean, Gimple is from – hasn't he been following the comics more closely than the ones before did? Like, the basic kind of – there's some themes yeah. that they've they've held to. Uh, some of the stuff like the the obviously the Glenn Death, right? Um, they've done so many remixes, and at this point, 
especially with the the season finale. And we're not we're not going to talk about that today. But you're right. Yeah, I just feel like he's kind of like a few Kirkman. Well, that or, was the that yeah that from what I understand is a huge departure from the the comics. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. all right. Well, um, continuing on with with the Gabriel Eugene conversation. Uh, yeah, Eugene says, and again, he always makes me laugh, his honesty. What you have forgotten in your request is that I am a small person who does not stick his neck out for anyone <laughs> other than himself. <laughs> and Accurate okay. statement, Eugene. <laughs> now, as I've said before, Gabriel is an extremely inconsistent character. Uh-huh. A lot of the time when he is like in putting on his... Um, guru, his spiritual guru yeah. uh, role. He says the stuff that comes out of his mouth. I'm just like, what? Yeah. But not only is that like, sometimes it just doesn't even make any sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. But this was like the only time that I listened to a whole Gabriel speech where I was like, good job, Gabriel. That was yeah. nice. So he said, all I want is for you to do the right thing. And then Eugene not wanting to be pinned down and what is said definition on that, which makes me think, you know, we talk about like Eugene being like a message board dweller and that sort of Mm -hmm. thing. Like Mm -hmm. there are people who talk all about ethics and, Mm -hmm. you know, politics and, uh, religion or, you know, the rejection of all religion and that sort Mm -hmm. of thing. And I feel like Eugene would be that kind of person who's very Mm -hmm. like self-educated on, on all that stuff and probably has, you know, thought through a lot of it but mm-hmm. thought through t- and t- just completely with his brain not with his heart yeah um well anyway yeah that's that's a whole nother layer of conversation there but he says and what is said definition on that can't say i ever sussed it out yeah so i like that he says that because yeah that's the same thing you talk about okay what's what's objectively right and wrong Mm-hmm. Well, if you're trying to suss that out logically from a completely logical perspective, like you can only get so far. Um, and he says, right for some can be downright horrific for others. And knowing that has kept me vertical when so many have gone horizontal. Yeah, right for some can be downright horrific for others. And knowing that has kept me vertical when so many have gone horizontal. In other words, you know, not holding to some sort of objective standard of right and wrong is the way to survive. You know? Yeah, but they they haven't clarified whether or not they're talking about moral right and wrong. You know? Oh no, they definitely are because he's like, I want you to, I want you to do the right thing. That's how it started. Yeah, and 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 in that case, the the argument that could be made is like, well, what what's right to you, Gabriel? And I get that that's where they're going, but the I guess the next step for Gabriel should have been like, well, what's morally right? Right. But Gabriel is definitely, when he says like, I want you to do the right thing. He is in saying that he's expressing the belief that there is a right thing. Yeah. That no, it, I get, it, I get that. Yeah, that it's objective. And he's appealing to Eugene's sense of that, mm-hmm. you know, and Eugene mm-hmm. is, is trying to get around that by rejecting that there is any actual answer to that question. That's what I'm saying is like if if Gabriel met Eugene there, like, okay, I get what you're saying, that right and wrong is relative. 
and I agree to a certain degree, but then there's a layer of moral relativity in which there are moral right and wrongs. Like you, you murder is just morally wrong. Right. Right. You know? Yeah. And, but I think that, you know, Gabriel knows that what Eugene is doing here is he's playing a game of deflection. Yeah. He knows that there's moral right and wrong, Mm -hmm. but Eugene's way of dealing with that is, is just to attack the issue completely rationally and logically like Mm -hmm. a math problem and say, Oh, well, I I can't know. I've I've never been able to suss that out. What's actually Mm -hmm. right and wrong. And Gabriel's response is a little um, underdeveloped, but I, in, yeah. in principle, I, deg- I agree with it. He says, it requires faith, trusting yourself and believing that God is inside you, guiding you and knowing that he has a plan for us. Mm-hmm. And I, I, you know, I do agree with that. It's, it's, a, it's a simplistic way of putting it, that when it comes down to it, believing that certain things are right and wrong and like it, it involves sort of trusting this this knowledge you have that is not totally rational or logical it's it's something that comes from a, a different place um but when you know it you know it just like you know that something is beautiful or that mm-hmm. um it, it's it's hard to put your finger on mm-hmm. but you know you have a sense of it and if, and and gabriel knows that eugene has a sense of it um and he's appealing to that yeah. But, you know, Eugene is trying to to reject the appeal. When Gabriel said that, I rolled my eyes because I was like, really? You're you're saying it like that? And you know Eugene's not going to respond well to that. Like, I wouldn't respond well to that. Um, well, yeah, no, I didn't have that negative <clears throat> of, of a reaction to it at all. I thought about how, like, you know, if I was in my conversations with skeptical people and that sort yeah. of thing, that that's – I would say something that – in principle is very similar to what sure uh gabriel said but i would like dress it up and answer your language <laughs> which sounds like a terrible thing to say but um but it, I, I realize you can't you can't have on a show like this this really deep conversation about objective and subjective morality without boring your audience you know i think um i think that the extent of what he says that, you know, you basically, you have to take something of a leap of faith and trust that that voice that's telling you that, that you can't sleep at night because you're agonizing over this. That voice is actually, you know, God leading you or, you know, however you want to put it. And you have to stop deflecting that, you know, with with your your rational arguments here. Well, I think the I think the hot button phrase is he says God's plan. And uh-huh. uh, to most people, God's plan means like, oh, you mean for me to go and like be saved and then and then preach the gospel to the world. We're mm-hmm. in like actuality that's not really what that means, but it could come across so trite, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that's well, I think- that's the part I think what you just described there of what somebody would hear when they hear that he has a plan for us is conditioned by more experience with that than the a lot of people have. And I think sure. I, I think a lot of people would hear that and their their minds wouldn't go into that level of detail. Really? You know, they would hmm. just think more, oh, God has a plan in the sense like God wants me to do something, hmm. you know, or has That's a, fair. 
That's fair. Yeah. But anyway, I like how Gabriel's just like, is that so hard? And then Eugene's, <laughs> Eugene's answer is awesome. It's absurd. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, man, you know, that... I have had so many conversations that have been like that. They have sounded different on the on the surface, but if you dug down, yeah. the actual exchange was a lot like that. Yeah. You can't you can't know that objective moral facts exist. Well, you kind of do know, but you don't know in the way that you know a lot of things, but it's the most important thing that you could possibly know and it's what gives life meaning, and so you might as well trust that. And then no, that's absurd. You yeah. Know, like well, moral, moral uh, um, relativity is is absurd because you have instinct. Like human beings are built with instinct. In every culture, killing someone is wrong. Well, I mean, there like there are killing cultures... someone, murdering someone causes a negative reaction. I would say there are cultures where life has been valued a lot more than other cultures oh yeah 100 percent. i'll put it i put it this way everybody in the world acts as if there's such thing as right and wrong because everybody when they feel like they have been done wrong too complains about it well then there's and they, the and they hold relativity. and they'll, they'll hold other people to to those standards you know yeah. even if they even if they don't necessarily hold themselves to that standard yeah um, I, I do think, though, that it's possible to not be sensitized through the culture that you're in to what is morally right. Um, I think there are, there are cultures that do things that are fundamentally wrong and people don't bat an eye and they never feel bad about them because that's, they just haven't learned it. I think that what is right and wrong does need to be learned to some extent, just like math has to be learned. And so you don't, you don't feel like – you don't feel like those moral truths are are um, are instinctually within us. Um, I I don't know if I would put it that way. I think that it's kind of complicated. What I think. I mean, I I think that every person um, is is um, there. There is a voice of truth that calls to them. Mm-hmm. And and that voice of truth says things about what's right and wrong, um, but I think that voice can be resisted, and I I think that you can become pretty desensitized to it, and I think you can be born into a culture that has resisted it long enough that you don't you're not picking up on what it's saying in regard to certain things. Um, mm-hmm. So it's 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 complicated, um, but I do think sometimes it really breaks through. That, that voice of, of, of what's morally right in kind of a powerful, strong, undeniable way. And that when it's resisted in those situations, it can go, do great damage, not just to other people, but to yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Eugene's in one of those situations. But, yeah. Mm-hmm. I just like that. I, I, I did feel like this was a, although brief and, and, somewhat underdeveloped it was a nice little like um expression of this debate that Mm -hmm. goes on and a lot of the people don't think about this sort of stuff deeply enough to even really have a debate about objective and subjective truth or moral truth and and that sort of thing i loved this circumstance it was placed in 
because mm-hmm. there's there's so much potential there. Like anyone that's watching would be like, well, yeah, what Eugene's doing is wrong. Like I'm not on Eugene's side. The view, right. the audience is is meant to be against Eugene in this situation. So when yeah. you hear Eugene fight that fact, you're like, well, stop fighting it, Eugene. You know what's right and wrong. Right. But then when you hear Gabriel say something like that, you're like, wait. Right. When I said that this episode did things that I liked in terms of what it was saying about, like, ethics, mm-hmm. this is what I mean. That, like, okay. you know, Eugene can protest and talk about moral ambiguity all he wants, but we as an audience know that we know what we want him to do. Yeah. And we know that Gabriel is more the voice of truth in this situation. Um, yeah, it's true. You know, even though Eugene is is saying things that are kind of logically correct, you know, and so the the the, the perspective of the of the writers on this issue and the way that it's framed in the drama, I like like that because I agree with yeah. what they're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Gabriel, I think he makes a, a fairly good point where he's like, well, you're a man of science who not too long ago would have found it impossible to believe that the dead could walk. So maybe, you know, maybe it's not impossible to believe this, too, that, you know, there is such a thing as 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 really doing the right thing and that when the time comes, you will do the right thing. Mm-hmm. And. uh I, I I don't know why, but that that when he said that, it just like yeah no. Why would the dead walk? <laughs> why should I expect the dead to walk? <laughs> That's absurd. <laughs> right, know? right. It is absurd. Yeah. So, but yeah, he's like, hey, if you can uh, be that surprised by reality. Mm-hmm might as well be open to, open to this as well and um yeah that's where that scene ends and i don't know when that scene ended i was like wow we got through a whole conversation that really was about objective and subjective truth and to my mind it did not sound like here's not here or the only <laughs> thing that's permanent is impermanence or yeah. any of that crap like i was like okay like I was not cringing throughout that, yeah. and I actually liked the things were, that were said, and I liked the point that it was actually making. Right. Yeah. So, and we see Morgan sniping. I don't know how Morgan got there. I think the last thing that we saw from him was him storming off after. Am I right about that? I thought he was posted there, but I, I could be wrong. Yeah. They they don't do a good job at at establishing these things. <laughs> Morgan is just like he's on the verge of just going clearing. Yeah. So he's just sort of hovering around trying to decide if he's gonna help or kill everybody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh Daryl's readying the truck. Um Yeah, that's really short. Then we're back with Eugene. And uh, one of Negan's wives comes to get uh, a boombox that Eugene was supposed to have fixed. Sure. And uh, I like I like this. You know, Eugene is just like, how can you care about that right now? He says, 
our neck is in the noose of the deceased and it is tightening with every tick tock. Yeah. You know, are you not distressed that we're trapped? And uh, I liked I liked her answer. She was Same. like, I was already trapped. Yeah. Uh, so might as well have a boombox. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> might as she, well. Yeah. She was supposed to give him a second bottle of alcohol um, uh, when he finished, but he wasn't finished. So he – but he says he needs it and he asks to have it anyway. And this was one of his, <laughs> this was one of his more uh, unnecessarily elaborate lines. I've taken to throw in 1.5 fluid ounces down my gullet most PMs as a necessary requirement to catch an in- some increasingly elusive Z's. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I can't imagine trying to deliver these lines. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I've been needing it lately because I need to really go to sleep. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> That would be the normal way of talking. Yeah. Yeah. For catching some increasingly elusive Z's. Yeah. So, yeah, that's how he sleeps. So, he needs the I wonder juice. if he cracks. I wonder if, uh, um, uh, what's his name? Joshua uh, McDermott? McDermott, Is that yeah. Um, I wonder how he delivers them, like, if he if he breaks. On on Talking Dead, he was on after this one, and he uh-huh. was talking about how there was some line that, he was having so much trouble saying. I don't think it was an especially elaborate one, but there was just something about it that didn't roll off the tongue. And he went to somebody and he was like, I can't say this. Yeah. And and the this the person read it and they, they were like, no, it's fine. And then they went to try and say it and they got all tongue-tied. Yeah. And they were just like, yeah, good luck. But he was like, you have to do it. <laughs> so he ended up doing it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, wow. He must have. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, also I like this scene because <clears throat> the Negan's wife there comes back and she says like, I get it. I need help sleeping too. And she basically says like, you could have changed this place into something else, but you took care of you and now you mm-hmm. have to live with that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Powerful. Yep. Um, so, yeah, then we are back to Daryl, Rosita, Tara, Michonne, and Morgan. And um, they're kind of talking about whether or not they're on board with what Daryl's doing. And uh, Rosita is like, you know, why don't we just wait wait it out like we planned? Mm-hmm. Um, Daryl says something about, you know, the kingdom's gone, and if the saviors fight back, we don't have the numbers anymore. So. Mm-hmm. Let's just blow a hole in the side of the compound and get the zombies in there. And, this um, whole storyline just grinds my gears. <laughs> it's, oh, man. Yeah, let's get through it. <laughs> so I can understand feeling like it's contrived. It, you feel that way, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um. But I don't know. It bothered me more in the last episode. For whatever reason, in this one, I was just like, all right, Daryl, you go blow that hole in the side of it and let's see what happens. Yeah, because I was just like, let's just have something happen. Come on. You know? (laughs) It's kind of like Daryl is is just this uh, instrument of, like, 
making action or horrible things like whatever like just let's just make something happen yeah and and you know i maybe i i thought it out too much in order to justify it but i was just like okay daryl was held in that cell for all that time you know he is really annoyed he has been off the wall a little bit lately just like killing whoever and and I can I can get that he thinks oh this is gonna work and he wants it done as fast as possible. I see. I feel like Daryl is um, is more strategic than that and methodical. Like he's a hunter and he's a tracker. Mm-hmm. And in hunting and tracking, you have to have patience and all that kind of stuff. And and so far in The Walking Dead, he's always been that way. And but um, when you. But he's he's not very mature emotionally. No, I, I I understand that, but it, he, I mean things have happened to where he's cooled off. Like even in the car with Michonne, you see he's level headed. It's like I get it, I get it. You don't have to you don't have to do this if you don't want to. And in that kind of mindset, I I feel like Daryl would be like, yeah, this is it's kind of dumb. Like, well, I mean, honestly, he doesn't <laughs> he doesn't need her in the truck. No, I know that, but I. But, anyone that's looking at this would be like, "Dude, you know that what this is re- going to result in is not going to like you're going to let the the walkers in, you know." And yeah, I get that they're going to kill some people, but they're not going to kill everyone. They're not going to kill Negan. Not even going to get close. Mm. You have to. You have to. If if I know anything about the plan, the plan is to keep the saviors in the compound. Right. At all costs. And right now, the walkers are being an effective tool to do that. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Oh, I. I Clearly, Daryl should have just left well enough alone. Yeah. Yeah. I was really upset this whole time. Just like, don't do this. But I knew it was happening. I thought he was going to die. Really? Yep. That's what my mom said. And I was mm-hmm. like, No. Yeah, clearly not, but... Because <laughs> I just... I think that if there's one thing The Walking Dead will never do, it's kill Daryl. Unless unless um, Norman Reedus just wants off and he doesn't renew his contract. Then, obviously, they'll have no choice and they'll try to make it as dramatic as possible. But um, I think all bets are off the table after after Sunday. Well... I mean, I don't want to talk about that prematurely, yeah. but I do have a, an answer to that. Like, I think that after Glenn was killed, everybody is, is I'm sure, acutely aware that the ratings fell off. Now, mm-hmm. to what exactly they attribute that to, I'm not sure. But, and I think there are multiple factors there. But certainly yeah. the death of Glenn is the most clear break from the like it's it spikes with the death of glenn and then it just plummets after that yeah, yeah. and i think a lot of people there was something about killing glenn that just made them feel like some centerpiece of the show some sort of center of the of the soul of the show died mm-hmm. with with him and some like the continuity with the past was lost in, a, in an important yeah. way yeah. And I think they just know that, like, if they did that with Daryl, too, they would probably see a comparable ratings dive, and nobody wants that. They're not going to kill somebody if they realize that it's going to kill the show. Mm-hmm. And, which is, again, 
I'll just say it, why I think they felt okay with killing who they did. Because people don't watch the show to see him. I have thoughts about this, but we'll save it. Okay. <laughs> this this um, will be a good conversation. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, where are we? So Negan is at the Savior's table, and he's apparently he's called Eugene in, and uh, he's, he says, if things don't change soon, a lot of people are going to die. And he starts flattering Eugene. That seems to be his main motive of manipulation with Eugene at this point. Yeah. He's I like, mean, you, my friend, are strong. That spongy organ between your eyes and your spectacular mullet is strong. And I want you to know <laughs> that I know that. And Which he really doesn't believe. <laughs> and then Eugene says, our pages are completely and utterly one and the same. Yeah. <laughs> Just so it's And this made me laugh out loud. Like, sincerely... <laughs> I thought this was a great bit where Eugene put, or Negan puts out his hand for the handshake and Eugene is confused and he goes to try and kiss it. And he's just like, Eugene, I was going for a handshake. Can I just and, say, I would have probably kissed his hand too. <laughs> because he put his hand out like this. Who goes for a handshake with some sort right. of weird limp-wristed well, so angled I, downward I, towards in front of your face kind of handshake? I watched it again, and I to paying special attention to how he places his hand. Uh-huh. And I just have to say, he did it perfectly to be handshake ambiguous. <laughs> it it is placed just right so that it's not really limp wristed. It's more just like it's coming at kind of a weird angle. It looks and, limp wristed. And well, <laughs> check it again. Check it again. It. I just think. Negan, the guy who plays Negan, he did it just right. And so yeah. there is there is this ambiguity. I think at the same as, as Eugene, I probably would have thought, I think he wants <laughs> me to kiss his hand. But yeah, and you know that Negan wanted him to think that maybe he yeah. was supposed to kiss his exactly. hand. Like it's deliberately playing with him, right. which right. is hilarious. <laughs> it's so hilarious because he's like, I respect you. Yeah. A, a handshake is the sign of respect. And I'm thinking... <laughs> oh my god, Eugene, are you really this stupid? <laughs> Eugene, I was going for a handshake. If I was Negan, I would have laughed out loud. I wish that they would have had his character laugh, because that would have been so great. Because <laughs> I could believe I could believe Negan reacting with laughter. Yeah. Yep. So then we see Eugene taking the boombox apart, I think. He's obviously troubled. He goes downstairs. Uh, he sees Sasha's coffin. So, he opens it up. He gets the iPod out. So when I saw him pull out the, the speaker, I got really excited because I thought that he he was like his, – his, his mind was sparked and he wanted to, to make a uh, – um, a receiver for uh, comms, but like long range comms where, where you could kind of uh, um, pick up on signals states away or towns away or something like that, um, which he does in the comics. But mm. then I realized that's not what he was doing at all. He was making some weird RC plane that 
would fall apart in uh, mid-flight. <laughs> <laughs> he was making a, not a fat lady, but <laughs> a, a little lady. lady. <laughs> yeah. An aerial um, lady. <laughs> so, yeah, then we return to your favorite part here. Um, Michonne and Daryl in the truck. And, um, yeah, Michonne has thought about it. and she. Oh, we didn't talk about how Rosita wasn't going to do it. Oh, Maybe we God. Didn't. Okay. the This episode and the next one, or the, the one before, the, the one before this one, this one, and the next one, all show Rosita's just a different person. Like she's just she's just not Rosita. She's her twin sister or something. Because <laughs> Rosita would never have backed away from this. She would have done it. And she would have probably told everyone else to leave so that she could do it. And <laughs> and she would never in a million years say, I trust in Rick Grimes. No? No. Not Ever. I don't believe that for a moment. Huh. No. Well. Especially not before Michonne. And she said it in such a way that, like, Rick is this, like, cultic leader. <laughs> I believe in Father Rick Grimes. <laughs> well, as we learned from an earlier episode this season, Rick can drive behind a vehicle with sure. an enormous weapon shooting at him and dodge the bullets yeah. by, you know, turning the wheel on the yeah. vehicle. He yep. can jump from one car to another without holding down the gas pedal. <laughs> yeah. Um, I believe in Rick Grimes, too. <laughs> That's fair. But, uh, well, okay. Yeah, it does seem like Rosita's had a pretty dramatic shift but it seems to me that her basic uh personality of just being kind of um like contrary mm-hmm. is is still there but it's now she's more cautious or more willing to stick with the plan because Sasha died and she feels like she played a part in that mm-hmm. and that whole storyline uh, was very ineffective for me because I, I totally forgot. <laughs> <laughs> and I totally forgot what, what Rosita did to well, um, create that conflict. Yeah. He, I mean, she was the one that was, like, pushing for them both to go. Right. I think, and, yeah. I do remember, and, but I didn't remember, like, I had to take a second. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. That's right. and, she does, and she does specifically say, like, Something to the effect of, like, I'd be the one to do this, but then Sasha died. and mm-hmm. Yeah, like, the, the writers were trying to make sure that... Right, trying to make sure that we knew, rather yeah. than... Because we forgot that Sasha died. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Who? And we get we get two homages to it. That's that right. as well. Yep, yep. The, the never-ending uh, battery never-dying iPod. Everlasting battery. Mm. The lithium of the heavens. <laughs> it comes from the same place as all the ammo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, 
yeah, Michonne says, what we're about to do isn't worth risking us. And Daryl's like, it is for me. And she says, I hope it works, but I can't do it. And he's like, you shouldn't. Mm -hmm. And she leaves. And I did like that Daryl was totally okay with that. All right, yeah, you don't want to be a part of this, go. I didn't think about in the moment that actually her being in the vehicle is actually more of a disadvantage. Like, it's better just to have one one person in there. Um, But anyway. So then Eugene's on the roof. And he's attached the iPod to the audio glider to redirect the walkers. I thought it was kind of funny when he was, like, talking into the recorder about, like, what it was going to do. And he was just like, and if it works, well, he'll know when it works. Something to that effect. Um, Positive reinforcement, Eugene. Right. And he's he's just trying to frame it as, I get these walkers away from here, and then all these people inside aren't going to starve to death. And that's a good thing, you know. And, of course, Dwight shows up and has a gun on him and tells him to back away before launching the audio glider. And uh, Eugene says, I'm attempting to save people. And Dwight makes the good point that Negan's going to kill Rick and all your friends. Mm-hmm. And then Eugene, oh, Eugene. Boom. Travel and companions. And, um, but then you know, Dwight says something about, like, we can kill Negan, something to that effect. And Eugene says, Negan ain't the dying type, Dwight. And then Dwight's like, oh, but you are Eugene. And Eugene is like, I am! (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And I actually, I did like when Eugene was sort of explaining his thought process out loud, he was like, by my reckoning, I have two selects on facing my feet. Abort launch on this glider, which in that case, the walkers would uh, would kill him or Negan would. He says, or take my chances being shot in the back by a sometime ally, despite any injury I may have caused in the past by delivering a chomp down on your chode. <laughs> always bringing it back there i think eugene feels that that was his biggest victory so he always that was his to, most heroic moment to relish in that pickle <laughs> oh boy <laughs> so uh i thought that this was a really good moment like this was a strong moment of the the combination of the gun on Eugene, Eugene choosing to send the audio glider out, the music starting on the audio glider, Dwight, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, Daryl, you know, starting the, the car. Um, I thought it was a, a pretty strong moment yeah. as far as this season goes. And um, Daryl crashes the truck into the building. Um, Phantom truck. Phantom truck. Yeah. You mean use the cinder block to make it go in. Well, what do you mean? When they cut when they cut to the shot inside, there's a gaping hole in the wall and no truck. Oh, I missed that. <laughs> <laughs> it must be a very strong truck. <laughs> it's a it's phantom truck. A phantom truck. Daryl's phantom truck. <laughs> Daryl Dixon's truck. It's like that guy that blew up last week. Yeah. Um, he just yeah. disappeared. 
incinerated into nothing. Um. Oh yeah, I forgot to say that you know Dwight just shot the audio glider, which right. was a really good solution to that problem. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Shooting Eugene definitely would have been messy and would have resulted yeah. in ne- you know needing some explanation later. He could have thrown you like pushed Eugene off down into the walkers if he hmm. did kill him, and hmm. that would have gotten rid of any evidence. I suppose, yeah. But but shooting the the RC uh, glider was the best option, right? Yeah. Although he could have just shot it from the beginning, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Probably, <laughs> even yeah. though his aim is terrible, and he took him like six tries to get it. <laughs> so maybe not. <laughs> so um, yeah. Uh, Dio crashes the truck, and and then we get zombie chaos. Lots of zombies entering in, entering into the compound. I liked this a lot. I thought the music was really haunting here. I felt like it was it was it was a good depiction of just Walker. Yeah, it was cool. Walker chaos, um, mm-hmm. and you know um, Eugene looking at the carnage of it, and I think it you know you see on his face this anger, which mm-hmm. we don't usually, I don't think we've ever seen Eugene like really angry. That's sure. a new thing. And I think we see anger. It's coming from the stress of feeling like he's stuck in the middle of everything, mm-hmm. knowing that, you know, the other side has just done something that's resulting in lots of people dying, which he doesn't like that. Um, and then also feeling like he still has that moral sense deep down that he's doing the wrong thing by helping Negan. And he hates that because it's making it impossible for him to, to live, you know? Mm-hmm. And, <clears throat> and, uh, I thought it was kind of funny that like his jowls were a quiver. Yeah. And- there, there was a little bit of a quivering jowl. <laughs> <laughs> And then, yeah, he, he goes right back to Gabriel, and he throws a tantrum. Yeah. Um, and Something about being in the room with a priest makes Eugene act like a child. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we, we've never seen Eugene like this. He goes in, and he I wrote down a lot of what he said, <clears throat> but not the whole thing. He just says, the answer is no. Uh, your invite is declined. I will not end up like Sasha or you. You both made your choices, what I imagine most would calculate as the right thing. You ended up dead or seemingly soon to be. Uh, I cannot do the same thing. Now judge me if you choose. Um, And uh, he says, uh, I I will obey Negan. I will not cover for anyone's U-turn on loyalties. And I will damn well make sure that Dr. Carson stays comfy cozy right here in case I ever require his healing expertise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good old uh, and, and I won't feel bad about it, which I thought was interesting because as he's saying that, of course, I, that's – it's denial. Yeah. Of course he's going to feel bad about it. He yeah. already feels bad about it. Right. And I won't feel bad about it. And I will survive. It's in my biological imperative. It's all I know how to do. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I was just like, wow. You know, there is a man who is very strongly in denial. You don't get that angry mm-hmm. if you actually think you're right. So you read this a lot different than I did. Okay. I uh, 
Uh, I think yours is probably a little bit more accurate, but I read it as though he was just owning his his selfishness, his need to survive, his him not caring about anyone else. He just cares about himself, and he was just being honest. Mm-hmm. And so all of that was just like I'm done. I'm I'm done with uh, cutting through the bullcrap, or uh, I'm done with not cutting through the bullcrap. I'm just gonna put it this out there. I don't need you. I don't I don't care about what you think. This is how I feel. This is what I'm doing, and I don't care about your judgment. Mm. Um, now, I'm not certain that that's how it really was supposed to be played, but. Right. That in the moment while I was watching it, I was like, "All right, Eugene, yeah, you're you're the most selfish person I've seen on the show." <laughs> Especially that being a follow up to him looking so angry on that yeah. uh, on that awning or on the not on the awning on the uh, the walkway, right? Um, he uh, to me that made it look like he thought now his life is in serious risk. And yeah. he didn't care. He didn't care that other people were dying. He just cared that now his position is compromised. His uh, sell, his, his uh, survival is compromised. Right. Um, I definitely think concern for his own survival is part of what's going on yep. there, for sure. Yeah. But I I do think there's I do think he is also disturbed by seeing all the people being attacked there. Yeah. And, um. I liked that Gabriel never said anything, mm-hmm. you know, that he just sort of mm-hmm. looked stunned and that was it. Yeah. And yeah, he didn't need left. to. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Is that the end of the episode? Nope. Oh. We we got a little bit more. All right. Well, yeah, Eugene talks to Negan and... Negan says, can my bullet maker fill my guns back up? He says, I can. And I agree with you. I didn't really think about this that much in the moment, but it is kind of stupid. Like, if you could fill up the bullets the whole time, why haven't you been doing that? Yeah. You know, (laughs) that was what you were brought there for in the first place. So, yeah, that is pretty stupid. Um yeah, and then Negan flatters him more. How does it feel to be the second most important person here and to save all the and to save all these good people? And Eugene is like, it feels great. Yeah. <laughs> and Negan says, You are magnificent. <laughs> <laughs> and Eugene says, I am. I am. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> It's like no subtlety at all at yeah. that point. <laughs> I am. Uh, um, so y- Eugene in that moment is like, and I, I have, <laughs> I have information. I can't remember what he says. Negan refers to it as Eugene has a topper. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, he's about to spill about Dwight and then Dwight comes in. Like to top it all off topper. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dwight comes in with some other people, and Negan is like, yeah, you know, Eugene's going to solve our bullet problem here, and he's got a topper. Mm-hmm. And then Eugene says something about he changes his plan and, you know, says, I'm going to fix the intercom system. 
question. Do you think that there was any like rationale that makes sense to what Eugene did there? Or do you think this is just the writers being weird? What do you mean? Like, why would Eugene just not follow through and say Dwight is behind all this? Yeah, I don't know. He uh, He's cowardly, but at the same time, like, throwing Dwight under the bus wouldn't really be harmful to him. The only explanation is that Eugene cares about Dwight's safety and well-being, even mm-hmm. though that's contrary to everything that's led up to this point. Um, so, well, I don't know if it's contrary to everything. I think, well, from the, the scene where the truck bashed in. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if I was Eugene and I was that selfish, I would have given him up there. Right. Right. It's like he's at a point now because clearly early he was earlier. He wasn't at a point where he felt okay giving him in. And that's why he went and talked to Dwight and tried to work out this deal. Yeah. After what happened, now it seems like he's broke. He's at the point where he's ready to just sell him out. Yeah. But he's not so far gone that he can do it, like, while he's looking at him. Yeah. He has to do it when his back is turned. Okay. And I suppose also just from, like, a practical angle, if you're going to throw somebody under the bus, it's easier to do it when they're not around because you can fully explain your case without having them there to, like, try and fight back or defend themselves. Sure, yeah. So, um, and then we get that moment where Eugene's sitting in his room and he is hearing the sound of the bullets and he's like closing his eyes tightly and grabbing his head and he's drinking and then he's like vomiting it up and like, I just thought this, this moment with like the music and the sound of the bullets and like the rising tension in the music and everything, Mm. that was, this was another moment in the episode where I was just like. This is good. This is a lot better than it has been because mm-hmm. I was feeling that that dramatic tension. I was feeling like, you know, the place that the horrible position that Eugene is in, which is, you know, not to say he doesn't bear a lot of the, the, the blame mm-hmm. for it. But um, I don't know. I, I could feel it. And I, I like that they were bringing out that he still has all this inner conflict. He was like saying that he's resolved i'm just looking out for myself it's my biological imperative but in that moment as he's alone you can tell that he has a really hard time living with it Uh and um and i think it's also neat that that comes on the heels right after of almost giving dwight up but then pulling back just last minute so it's kind of like there's still a little bit of humanity or Mm -hmm. team Mm rickness somewhere in him you know Mm -hmm. yeah um Yeah, and then we get the scene with Rick um at with the the garbage pail people again and um Rick's led out of the dumpster. Um they have that that zombie gladi- gladiator. I can't remember what his name was, but Wilson or whatever. Wilson. Winston, Winston or Wilson. <laughs> I, I think Wilson. Wait. Wilson is the volleyball in Castaway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Winstead maybe. Winston. I don't know, but, um, some weird name. Yeah. Uh, they, they have it like his head, the helmet on his head on a pole Mm -hmm. and they're leading him around and they lead him over to Rick to take a bite out of him. Here's what I'll say about this scene. Goofy as anything Mm -hmm. for walking dead. 
But I would be lying if I said I didn't enjoy it because seeing Jadis finally get like knocked down and yeah. seeing her look uncomfortable <laughs> was so satisfying. Yeah. <laughs> so I agree with you there. Yeah. Even though this the the scene was poorly staged, the choreographing, the choreograph chore, choreography of the fight was horrible. Rick does these impossible things. Like he he bests <laughs> these people with his hands tied and a zombie. <laughs> and he hits them with like I don't know, with this force that really would that really knock them down? I don't know. It, it just seemed very um uh poorly staged and poorly choreographed. But all that being said, for the payoff being <laughs> Jadis get, yeah, gets knocked down, I'm I'm in. I'm I'm happy. I'm right. a happy viewer. <laughs> yeah. Now, you know, <laughs> the obvious question is why didn't they just shoot Rick? Mm-hmm. Um, and now there is, I think, a reasonable answer in the sense of, well, you know, what Rick said initially is is true. If if Rick dies, he doesn't come back. Like they're done. Yeah. They're finished. Yeah. However. They were just about to kill him. Yeah. So they didn't seem to right. care about reason or logic. Right. And no. you know Did so they have guns? They must have. I Did think. they have guns on them? Yeah, why wouldn't they there's no reason that they wouldn't have any. I don't know. Yeah, then why do they even need the zombie? Yeah. It's just for entertainment value, I guess. No, yeah, I think that's exactly what that was. Yeah. But I loved yeah, when Rick had Jadis on the ground. He was like, you can play your games, draw your pictures, scope whatever <laughs> shit you want, but I am leaving. And and he's like, after that, maybe you should just run. Yeah. And, it, yeah, I had this feeling, too, of like, yes, they have had way too many chances at this uh-huh. point. Like, they already did this. Yeah. Locking Rick up and playing a zombie game with him. That right. already happened. Yeah. Rick won them over. Then they, they you know, turn on him. Yeah. That should be it. Yeah. That should definitely be it. And then they do this junk a third time. Yeah. Like, they had such potential for this story. If they didn't make them such caricatures, this could have been a really cool story. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And... Well, it's so hard not to talk about the episode after this, right. but yeah, I think you probably know what I'm thinking. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's like, boy, that was worthwhile. <laughs> um, yeah, and so Rick's like, "We done?" And she says, "Yes." And um, they they barter as. As Jadis always does. And I like that Rick held his ground with everything, mm-hmm. you know? Even when she was like, I'll sculpt you with those off. And Rick yeah. was just like, what What does he say? He like, he's like, no sculpting. And he, yeah. and he holds up his hands and he's like, these off. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, yeah. And then the episode ends with Rick walking with the trash people. Uh, and, and he, he climbs up the tower and he looks out and the walkers are gone and mm-hmm. uh, he's clearly not happy about that. And that's it. Yeah, I'm scared. 
Yeah, Andrew Lincoln is such a great actor. I, I do he have is, to say yeah. that. He he definitely is. I wish for that reason alone, I wish that this show was better. That the yeah. writers were better. I um, agree. It, I wonder if AMC wasn't producing it, if it was like you know, because like, like Vince Gilligan produced the uh, Breaking Bad and um, and Better Call Saul, right? So it wasn't AMC. I know AMC was just distributor. Um, AMC produces Into the Badlands, Walking Dead, Fear the Walking Dead. Um, I wonder if they just got like a different production team behind it. If it would, if they can fix. Whatever problems they have right now. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I don't know much about, like, who actually produces it. I mean, I know the faces that I see on Talking Dead and that sure. sort of thing. And, yeah. and they've been pretty consistent for a long time. Yeah. Um, well, the, but... the studio is definitely AMC that produces it. But shows like Breaking Bad and better shows, you know. Mm. I would even say, because I started watching Better Call Saul this past summer uh, on your recommendation, and yeah. in a lot of ways, it's way better than The Walking Dead. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. well, Better Call Saul is um, it's definitely a smarter show. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. Um, um, and they – and it's not AMC. AMC just distributes it. So I wonder if the common denominator here is that is studio meddling. Like um, the difference between Marvel movies and DC movies. Marvel movies being they, they're run under a tight ship with Kevin Feige producing all of them and making sure that all the directors have the same vision, all the um, the writers have the same vision. It's basically like he's like a showrunner. Yeah. For movies. And DC has had such a problem with their their uh um DC movie line. And um every movie since since uh Man of Steel, which was the beginning of their cinematic universe, has just in in the box office has dropped in uh audience um uh critically it's dropped and also critically it's dropped hmm. so every single movie after that has been worse and worse and worse minus wonder woman wonder woman being the standout mm-hmm. and justice league showed that no one went to go see justice league it made 93 million in its opening weekend hmm. it just hmm. it's it's a train wreck and um and it shows because the the studio had their hands in all the movies except for um, uh, Man of Steel and Wonder Woman, the two mm. best in the franchise. Um, they 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 made the the writers and, and the directors uh, change a ton of things. They had their hands in it. They they had the editors do terrible things like. Suicide Squad was uh, licensed out to, or not licensed out, but um, uh, freelanced out to uh, a trailer cutting company, and it's hmm. terribly, terribly cut. Mm. Um, so when you have studio studio meddling, like all these mandates and everything like that from the top, 
you can have a bad show. Like you yeah. can really – you can have a good show inherently, but the delivery of it and the execution of it be be compromised, right. you know, which I, I wonder if it's the case with Walking Dead. Yeah. Yeah, that could be. Because as much as I don't like Scott Gimble and like whenever I hear him talk, I just want to punch him in the face. Um, I don't believe that it's all his fault, though mm-hmm. I believe that there are a lot of problems that are his fault. I think a lot of it also comes – like he was hired. Mm-hmm. He was hired and he was kept on after mm-hmm. all the terrible things that have happened under his under his, uh, um, under his his watch – he they they haven't fired him like they fired who was the first showrunner um Darabont uh yeah and after then, they fired him and the the other guy um two great showrunners for nothing as far as cinema sins go uh um they have nothing on Scott Gimple <laughs> <laughs> you know no, I I I agree but the thing is Gimple it was during his uh, tenure that Walking Dead's ratings soared to the highest that they had ever been. But it's also been during his tenure that they have fallen. So, yeah. you know, I, I I don't know. Maybe the network will, will let him go um, at some point. But, but yeah, because I, I think when people think of the, the glory days of Walking Dead, the seasons that they probably think of in terms of, like, when they have the highest ratings and the, the they're making the most money mm-hmm. are four, five, and six. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, seven started a pretty steep fall. Yeah, yeah. Oh, from what I understand, it's still the highest rated show on on TV. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. It was just so far and away the highest when huh. uh, when it was really on top. Yeah, but. Yeah, that they only have so far that they can fall before that changes. Yeah, I mean they're they're definitely on a downward swing right now. They gotta they gotta watch out. Last year should have been the biggest uh, um, soberizing year for them, but it seems like they've only made certain changes and and they've just kind of ignored very critical things. <laughs> Well, they've made some changes that suggest to me that they kind of heard some of the complaints, mm-hmm. but there's they were some of the changes that were easier to fix. Mm-hmm. And and so, yeah, like more more action, please. Don't move mm-hmm. at such a glacial pace. Like, um, you know, show us more characters in each episode. I think that those mm-hmm. were probably pretty consistent complaints, and they have. You almost sense like a desperation to try and mm-hmm. appeal to people, but but the the biggest problem is that there's just underlying lapses in logic and basic like like you talked about. There's not a lot of stakes in the action because we yeah. don't know what the plan is. We don't know right. We don't have a sense of place. Which my goodness, again, that's something we're going to have to talk about in the last ep- yeah the last episode. Yeah. But there was no episode so far this season where I felt like that lack of sense of where things are was like worked against the episode more than that one. Right. It's like they have writer deficiencies, like storytelling deficiencies and they th- when they 
fix one, they sacrifice another. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you want to give your numerical rating? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to give this a five. Okay. Um, it's not the worst episode of The Walking Dead by far. That was last week. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's not the best and it's not i wouldn't even say it's good it's almost good i think there are some good elements to it uh so yeah right down the middle hmm. well like i said i thought this was the the best one this season uh and i i didn't think that it was like just okay i thought it was really good so i'm gonna i'm gonna give it an eight. Oh wow mm-hmm. wow okay i you know, didn't cringe at any of the dialogue. I love the Eugene conflict. I think it's nuanced. There's a lot going on there. Um, and I felt like for a penultimate episode, mm -hmm. they set things up really well. I was genuinely like, I was like, wow, I care again. I'm excited to see what happens next week. And we'll talk about that. But yeah. it's, as I've hinted at, yeah. It let me down. Yeah. Pretty big. Okay. So this is a almost a two hour episode. <laughs> yeah. Um no mailbag. No mailbag this week. Hopefully okay. we'll get some for the season finale. Right. Yeah. <laughs> all right. I'm all done. All right, same. Signing off. Over now.